In this reflective service held on the 27th of September 2020, we welcomed Helen Reid. She brought to us a summary of her approach to the book of Ephesians, with the topic Ephesians Inside Out. Unfortunately, the introductory remarks were not recorded. She wanted us to examine what goes on inside us so we can better imitate Christ. She started by categorizing items in, as in a pyramid, with the bottom, broadest section as being our physical needs, being warm, fed and safe. The second level is our emotional needs. We hear Helen talking now about emotional responses. Cutting yourself some slack if you live in a situation that is impacting you in some way. So our emotional needs, like we have fear and we have anger and and um, even a desire, if this man's still there, to hurt him so that he can't hurt you again. Like I'm amazed how much my physical desire to hurt people can has popped up in my life for different reasons, um, that it's quite easy for that to happen. You know, if I see someone hurting a child, like, my instinct is in there. Like, I just want to get in there and hurt them. I see it on TV, like, you know, like uh, even the Westpac thing the other day with, you know, vulnerable children, I'm going, I get really, really angry about it and stuff. And if they were in the same room, I, I suspect I could hit them. So don't get too close to me. <laughs> but, you know, I know that, you know, not everyone reacts that way, but, but, there's different emotions that come out when, when our basic needs are challenged or the basic needs of other people are challenged. So the third level I've put as security. And so the man's there. Am I now safe? Am I secure? If I put it in the normal things, do I know I'm going to be warm tomorrow? Is the bed that I, is the bed that I had under the, park bench is that still going to be there or someone going to have taken it um am i going to eat healthily tomorrow am i going to eat it all tomorrow um can i feed my children next month which is probably an issue and security i think is the one that taps in a lot to a lot of people in covid who don't have a job you know their rent is now they have to pay their rent now their job seeker is is being phased out how are they going to feed their children? How are they going to educate their children? How are they going to eat? There's all kinds of issues that doesn't impact me because I'm on a pension. Like it doesn't, COVID doesn't affect my job. Like, um, but for other people, this isn't the case. And so, um, the security that we have can be quite different. Um, some people are secure in a marital relationships. Um, some people are secure in their children. Well, I have a marital relationship. So, like, I, I have to get my security from somewhere else. Do you see what I mean? Like, um, and it's a bit tricky depending on a person sometimes, like, because they can let you down, but that's okay. Um, but the fourth point, which I think is the bigger key, is all of those things I think we can work on physical, emotional, and security. We can kind of work on it in a way. Um, we can make sure that that happens, particularly where we live now. Um, but significance, how can I work on making sure that this person doesn't strangle me again because I don't deserve that? 
that's not the right thing to do to me. Like, and it's not about rights. just means I'm secure enough in myself to know that that's not going to happen um, or shouldn't happen, perhaps, because bad stuff happens. But um, how do I feel worthwhile in a world that, if you look at ads on TV, tells you that you're not really worthy because you don't have this body, you don't wear these clothes, you don't have that mobile phone, you don't have that car. Um, there's lots of ads that are telling you that you aren't quite up to scratch because you don't have a whole lot of stuff. Mostly, most of my friends aren't doing that, but when I was younger, that was a reality. Like that the pressure on you to do and have and be, even as a teacher, the pressure on year eight girls to have lost their virginity by the end of year eight by the other girls in the class, not by the boys. You have to do it. You're the only one who hasn't done it. The reason I know this is because I confiscated a note and normally I don't read it, but I read this note and I went, oh, my gosh, like this is a nightmare. The pressure, no wonder they can't learn. They're too busy worrying about who they're going to lose their virginity to. Like that's a lot of pressure for a kid. Pressure to do drugs, the things that I didn't have to deal with. Um, there were drugs around, but I didn't see any in my in my circle. But that's not the case anymore, like as you grow up. It's not the case to not see. I don't think I saw a homeless person much, and I lived in Sydney because there weren't homeless people around me. Now I see homeless people all the time, and I live in Canberra, which is a lot. You see them a lot more in Sydney. They're my two big cities that I've lived in. But um, and. You see them a lot more in Sydney, but you see them in Canberra as well, which is the affluent city of Australia. Like, so it's around. There's stuff that's there. So what is it that makes me significant? What is it that makes me worthwhile? How can I not be a nobody? And there's lots of times when I think all of us think, mate, I'm a failure. I'm a waste of space, not necessarily in these words. I'm a nobody because I don't have this or that. I'm insignificant. People overlook me because I'm old, I'm retired, I'm single. You know, there's kinds of things that people do. It's an attitude that people have towards you, which they don't necessarily mean, but it's still there and it can take you out. So what is it that makes me worthwhile? Where can I get that from? And here's where we go back to Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Here it is. Here's the secret of why we are worthwhile. And um, I'll read it to you. It is on your piece of paper. Um, but I will read it. Um, and it's from, I've just picked from 3 to 14 in chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, to get that? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's pretty impressive when you think about what happened in Genesis 3. He created the world knowing we were going to botch it up. 
And we did a very good job of that. That's where we're very good at botching things up. And yet before he even created us, he chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes because he loved us. Before he created us, he loved us. God decided in advance to adopt us. He chose us. He adopted us. And to interrupt, I did teach a boy who used to get picked on at school because he was adopted. And that was like a rare thing for people to know that anyone was adopted. It wasn't a rare thing for adoption, but it was a rare thing for people to know that you were adopted. And I talked to him and I said, are you okay about, he said, yes, miss. He said, they didn't get a choice. They had to put up with whoever they got when they came out of the womb, but I got chosen. What an amazing story this kid had. What great worthwhileness he had about himself to know that he was chosen. And that's a story for us to think about. God chose us. It's amazing. Um, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you feel like you give God great pleasure because he chose you? It doesn't matter whether you feel it. Because he did. He did choose you and he does give you great pleasure. So it's something to focus on. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So he's already like tracked into Genesis 3. He's already loved us, but then he's got the plan in place before the world began to give us freedom and to save us through Christ. Um, he's showed his kindness on us, allowing, uh, along with all wisdom and understanding. And this is the wisdom and understanding he's given us. He's now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. So we now, in the time of Paul and in the time of 2000 plus Paul, we know why Christ came. We know where we're going. We know what Christ did. We know where Christ is now. That's an amazing mystery to be told. I defy you to understand it 100% because it's quite even though it's a straightforward concept, it's, it's difficult to get why God did this. Why didn't he just hang about with the angels and Jesus before he created the world? Why didn't he just, that's not like they weren't having a good time when getting on. They were complete unity. The Godhead three in one, they were perfectly happy. And yet he's chosen to create a world that is fallen and then to save us and to send his son to save us. That's fell amount of love. Okay. So that was the plan. And at the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. So that's looking towards revelation. So the end times. Furthermore, we are united with Christ. And we have received an inheritance from God. So not only are we chosen, not only are we his children, we get the full inheritance. 
For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, who he promised long ago, whom he promised long ago. The spirit of God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Do you at this present moment feel worthless? Because if you do, you need to move to another room and read that passage again because that can never leave you worthless. You can never be a nobody. If I lived in a country town, well, I didn't, but my grandparents lived in a country town, and my grandfather was one of the big um, pastoralists in the in the town. Well, the town had 62 people counting all the surrounds, so we're not talking huge. But um, And if if no one knew you, you said, oh, I'm Hector McKenzie's granddaughter in Loch Flynn because in that town, Hector McKenzie was a known person. So if you start getting hassled even in your own head, the, ha- the devil starts hassling and say, you're not really worth doing this. What can you possibly say to this person, this neighbour that you were heading to before? What can you say that's going to be significant? You're hopeless at this job and you say, well, I can't be hopeless because my father is God. I am adopted into this family. I can't possibly be hopeless. This is the key. And I've spent longer on this in a sense because this is the thing that stops us from serving. We feel I can't say that I'm going to be embarrassed. I can't do that. What happens if this um, and I'm not, I'm not planning to fix this overnight, but this is the thing that we, we can really work on. And I think that if you did nothing else for the rest of your life, physical, this, this earthly life, was to read that passage in Ephesians every day, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do because it shows you why you're significant. And I've then got in the notes I've got, I am significant because, um, and I am loved and I am chosen and I am without fault. All comes out of verse four. And I haven't put everything in there. I've just picked some key things because I figure if we get this, we've got most of it. We're, we're well on our way. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm without fault. I'm adopted. So I don't know what your parents were like. I had one gooden and one badden. And like, oh, it'd be, I would have been pretty happy as a child to be adopted, but by someone who loved me, having said that, there's a lot of adopted children that aren't happy, so it's not a guarantee. But to be adopted by someone who is perfect and loving and to have my brother, my big brother Jesus, looking after me, and sending his mate the Holy Spirit 
to make sure I'd stay out of trouble. That's pretty reasonable kind of adoption, I reckon. So that's pretty cool. So I'm not a nobody. Um, I belong to Jesus because he's my big brother. I'm free. Free. Even if I was in jail, I'd still be free. Even if I'm sick and confined to a bed and I can't move, I can still be free because it isn't about our physical position. And like I said before, our physical impacts what we can do, but we can be free because we are adopted by God, because we're loved. It's, it's something on the inside that changes how we feel and how we come out. I'm forgiven. I know God's plan. And we're talking the big plan. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I could get run over by a car down there and I could be dead and someone's going to have to clean up my very messy unit. Sorry about that, whoever that might be, my relatives. But I don't know what's going to I don't know that intimate short-term plan. But I know if I do get run over by a car and I end up dead, I know where I'm going to be. And I will be free. And even if I break all, every bone in my body, I still have the potential, for the way my brain works, I still have the potential to be free. Well, even if my brain doesn't work, I am free. Because of what Christ has done. It doesn't depend on me or you. It's because what God has done, Christ has done, and the Holy Spirit being with us. And I have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that they're the things. like Just not being a nobody. I often, it's one of my fallback things, I'm a nobody. I don't belong. I don't fit in. It's one of the, the fallback things that I have in my life. That's kind of where I go. And I need these passages. I need this passage to go over it and over it and over it. And it isn't about how I feel because it's about what God has done. It's about Jesus being my brother and about me having the Holy Spirit. So that's a lot of stuff that goes in before you can get service coming out of the top. So I think that the peak then of the of the pyramid that is service. So I think that you can't do, you can serve with your physical, emotional security and significance needs not met, but it's jolly, jolly difficult and you can't maintain it for a long time. I think that you... Um, the more that those four other levels are fulfilled, the more we're able to serve. And service isn't just about doing. Remember Sally Burton talked at a women's retreat and talked about we call ourselves human beings. We really should call ourselves human doings because we're all about what we do and how that gives us significant and what we've done in our job and what we do in our little things that and that's often the case but it's actually we are human beings we are beings and so much has to go in so it isn't about service it's about um just what we do that we go and talk to that person but it's who we are on the inside that comes out and i think that it's 
the people that have really impacted you that Jesus just oozes out of them, um, that when you talk to them, you feel like you've met Jesus? Have, do you know people like that? That, that they're kind of amazing that, and it might even be people that you know well, um, but you might have just met them. And, you know, maybe if you met them five times, they mightn't ooze as much Jesus as you first thought because you've got to know them a bit. But there are people that often they're just so connected to God that it just flows out of them. I found, and not to pick someone, but I know Reese was a little bit like that for me in that he connected very much like you're talking to him and he, he will pray for you in the instant and because his connection with God when he was talking to you at least was very strong. Perhaps I needed it more. Um, um, and I do know another lady like that that I met at a camp, Glenda Weldon was like that. She would just go into prayer in the middle of a conversation connected to something that you'd said. Um, and, yeah, she, she was a lady that, well, she was speaking at, at um, women's retreat heard it twice I think and um and both times she just oozed Jesus like and uh, you know maybe because she was leading I don't know but I just thought that was amazing but um but it's it's about like giving yourself time to get your physical needs met and it's a balance like as I as I come to kind of the end how do we balance that um um, how, how do we balance so that we don't say, well, I can't go and see that person because I haven't had breakfast yet, or I can't go and see that person because I, I feel a bit hopeless about it. Um, so it's when do we serve and when do we fill, you know, fill ourselves with that? And, and I think that that's the balance that that's where you need to spend time with God every day. So he's kind of, teaching and continuing to instruct you and helping you to grow in that. Because um, we could spend all our life making excuses. Well, I can't serve because I haven't filled all the bottom parts of my pyramid. And the reality is in this life you are never going to have those four parts 100% full, ever. There's always You're always going to be worried about something or hungry or thirsty or drowning in a swimming pool for a minute you know like there's all going to be circumstances that you're not going to live the rest of your life with them totally filled so it's that balance what what do i do today and how do i and and sometimes when you serve it's being aware okay i know that the bottom half of my the bottom more than a half really is not full so how do i do how do i do this um so I go and serve and then I have to spend time to fill it up. And I think COVID has has shown me that I am very much a human doing um, and that I fill my time doing stuff. And I, it's shown me that I haven't spent, it's kind of changed how I've thought um, about the things that I've done in the past, like the roles that I've played. Um Include creative leisure and drama. So how does that work? How, how does, how can I continue to do that? Or should I be doing something else? 
you know, there's all kinds of questions that I've come up and said, how can I now step off COVID rather than crawl out from under COVID next year or whenever the end of COVID might be? How, how, how can I do that? And I think that looking at these things with this pyramid is going to help me do that in a direction. It's going to help me to, okay, and the older I get, the more physical needs I have in a sense. I need more sleep. I need more rest. I can't throw myself about like Jan and expect to get up in a hurry. Um, do you, know, you know what I mean? Like you, you can't, um, there's things you can't do in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 50s. I don't know how old you all are, but, you know, let's say you're all over 40. Um, I think Dean's just 42. Um, so how do we, how do we change our lives when we're over 40 compared to under 40. What you did as a child, the things that I learned to slide in softball in Asheville and you just go home and pick all the gravel out of you. I mean, I couldn't even, I'm asleep now. Asheville on the softest thing in the world. It'd be two and a half hours till I got up again. Like I just can't get up off the floor anymore. It's just a whole different game for me. So my physical needs are different. My emotional needs are different. Your emotional needs are different from when you were a child to when you are now. If you married and had children, you had little babies. Now you've got babies that you give back again if you've got grandchildren. You know, it's a different relationship. It's different. You can, you don't have to, you know, unless you're looking after them and you've become the, the grandparent carer, you're not awake during the night with babies. You're not feeding every four hours. You're not doing all of those things, making sure they're, done their homework and all of that there's a whole different set of circumstances and it's working out where we're at and then balancing that with with what jesus is and god is telling us each day so it's like spending time with god i did put at the end that um i challenge you to make a bookmark and i tried to do one and i i don't know if i can show you that's kind of can you see that it's like it's just at the top I've got the I am's for the significant part and at the bottom I've got the little triangle and I did it so it was kind of bookmark shaped and it made five on a page but anyway I ended up I was going to like um put it there but it's on publisher and most people don't have publisher at home including myself so um but if anyone wanted that I'm sure that I could send that out as a um as a you know, thing that you change into that everyone can, a PDF file, that's the word. See, when you're older, you can't remember stuff. <laughs> Got to take that into consideration. Going up and serving someone, I can't remember their name. <laughs> like, oh, it's so lovely to see you. Ah, oh, no idea. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to put that out. But I think even if you write it somewhere or put that pyramid somewhere to remind yourself, um, doesn't have to be a bookmark. It could be anything. It could be handwritten. You could put, um, you could have like make a frame and put a picture of the person that you're praying for or that you want to serve in a specific way and you could change it as often as you, you needed to do that. Um, it might be, you know, it might be weird things. It might be one of the pastors. It might be, you know, the little kid that plays down the street that doesn't have any mates. I don't know who that's going to be for you, but it's trying to work out 
which is another thing COVID's done for me too. It's kind of challenging me. I need to get out of church more. Like, um, and even in creative leisure, that's full of non-church people. They're still in a church. They're still behaving like church people. You know, since I'm not working and stuff, I don't see people that I don't know anyone, you know, that's not mostly a Christian. You know, I know a few people, but not a lot. I don't know anyone in Canberra. That's my issue. The people that I know who are not Christians don't live in Canberra. They live in other parts that I've lived, you know, so they're still in those parts or they've moved away. And so, and all of my like cousins and stuff that are not Christians, none of them live here. So I don't have a circle of friends that are not Christians. And I think for me, that's a challenge that I need to maybe look for something to do with people that are not Christians. So, um, so that, that were my kind of things that I learned out of Ephesians, but also that I think that it's very COVID relevant, this stuff. Um, Cause I think there are a lot of people hurting. Um, there are a lot of people in nursing homes that, um, that can't, if they're in New South Wales, like Margaret was saying, you know, haven't been able to be visited for like six weeks. There are the people at the other end who can't visit. You know, so my nephew's in a nursing home and all he wanted to do was come home for his birthday, which I didn't think they were going to let him. But not only didn't he come home, they closed the nursing home the day before. So he hasn't had a visitor for six weeks So or his birthday presents. So, you know, it's kind of those kind of, how do, how do we relate to those COVID impacted people that um, in a way and still not um, wear ourselves out, you know, so that we're still dependent on God. Any questions? 